A good evening to you all. Um, our moderator Dalton is still having a few technical challenges. However, I will step in for the meantime so that we do not really spend a lot of time. My name is Harry Moisegwa. I'm a student from Macquarie University. And I welcome our panelists, uh, Mr. Ivan Bowe, Bowe yeah, uh, Ms. Naurugozi, and uh, Mr. Dean Natukonda, and also Ms. Joan. You're welcome to this space. And uh, we shall be starting right about now. Okay. Um, I think we are going to start with the basics, basically. I'll request our panelists to introduce themselves. Um, I'll begin with uh, Mr. Ivan Bowie. Just a brief introduction. Hello, uh, everyone. It's uh, a pleasure to be on this space. My name again is Ivan Bowie. I'm a lawyer by profession. I am managing partner at Advocates. I am an intellectual hooligan, and I cannot uh, wait to discuss uh, uh, this bill in light of our society. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Ivan, the intellectual hooligan. We are humbled to have you on this space tonight. Um, the other speakers who are still on, I request you to please request for the microphone. That is Mr. Dean uh, Natukunda and also Ms. Joan. In the meantime, I will request Ms. Navuguzi to also unmute and introduce herself. Hi, everyone. My name is Navuguzi Chiwanuka. I'm a lawyer and a mental health advocate for purposes of this space. I'm really happy to be a part of it, and I'm hopeful for a great engagement with you guys. It's a privilege and it is an honor to have you. All right, so let's basically dive in. Um, I'll begin with Ivan. The alcohol control bill, we've seen a lot of this legislation come in. Uh, this is a bill that it's not the first time it has been introduced in parliament. Uh, it was introduced before. Uh, some, some I, I think, years back. It has taken a while in the House. However, the question to you basically is, try to give us a synopsis of this bill and also your views and also your standpoint. Is it a bill that is important in regards to promoting and also safeguarding public health? Are its provisions so problematic that uh, they infringe on the constitution and the economic realities that we have in Uganda? Uh, basically, what does the bill speak to you as Ivan, the intellectual hooligan? Uh, thank you so much. One, one. I want to uh, to uh, first and foremost clearly state that the right to drink is guaranteed, and it is not uh, a practice that is going to begin today, or that uh, it it is not. It's a practice that is thousands and thousands of years old. What you drink is a different matter altogether. How you drink it is a different matter. With whom you drink it is a different matter. The quantities can depend and vary from head to head. You know? So there is no standard of 
what makes a person drunk or what 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 a person can drink. But I also want to note, uh, from my experience, having some friends who do not drink alcohol, that it's not only alcohol that can make a person drunk. I have always shared a story of a friend of mine whose name I'm not going to disclose, who gets really, really high on Mountain Dew. They take two bottles of Mountain Dew and their world turns around. I've had very many uh, people who take cough syrup and they get high on that. It's not alcohol, but it's cough syrup. I have had very many, many people who in a way format uh, sugar and they get high on that. So, my view is that the bill has some good elements of it, but I, I, I honestly believe that we did not need that bill. In my own opinion is that we already have legislation to deal with with, uh, with, with, with uh, alcohol uh, in terms of the licensing and all that. Of course, there might be gaps that have not been foreseen that would be addressed, but that does not mean that we need a fresh law. But also, I realize that most of the things that, some of the things that this bill talks about would rather be handled in other laws, uh, public health, uh, but also through, legis uh, through uh, regulatory bodies like uh, uh, URSB and all that. So, in, in uh, sorry, UBOS. Uh, so, I was looking into the bill and trying to see what exactly new thing it brings on table. And to me, it is not there. I also was surprised that in terms of the licensing, currently we have a pandemic. Uh, in our society that you find a school, an educational institution, but just steps away, there is a bar. I also find some of the clauses in this bill quite very funny. For example, for example in particular, the bill, uh, the, the, the clause that prohibits any person from selling alcohol from noon. Yeah? Between... Uh, between noon, before noon, and beyond 6 a.m. I, I find to it that, and even when that, the, the next clause, it does not apply to uh, supermarkets, wholesale shops, mobile vans, and trade shows or depots. But, but I mean, for example, if you, go, you went to a hotel and you you, surely this hotel has a bar and you want to, 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 to buy a drink in the morning. Probably it's what you feel. So I, I think this bill, in all honesty, it was not necessary. About the issues of rehab, that can be dealt with it, uh, that can be dealt with by the Minister of Health. And about, about the age on which you can sell Alcohol, that is clear, even with other laws. So 
I was reading through this bill, and honestly speaking, I do not see its purpose. I, I honestly do not see its purpose. And to me, it would also, it talks about creating an authority, what, what. And I, I, in my own opinion, that would be a waste of a lot of money. And finally, uh, perhaps I should say this, is that we as a country, Uganda, have more pressing issues uh, to deal with than trying to, uh, to bring up a bill that is somewhere but nowhere. Yeah? It's all over, generally. So... Uh, Uh, hello, Ivan. I don't know whether it's only me. About adulterated alcohol, we all know that surely that's the, the, the work of uh, Uganda Bureau of Standards to make sure that every alcohol that gets here or that is sold is of good quality and meets the national and the international standards. So as I said, in my view, this bill is not necessary Instead and it's a waste of time. Uh, can I be heard? Yes. So, uh, yes, so yeah, yes, that's my, my overview about it. Okay, thank you so much, Ivan. So Ivan basically tells us that uh, there is no mischief required uh, that this bill attempts to cure. I think we'll investigate that further. Yeah, but my take on, on, on the bill. Yes. Uh, for now, I'll just hand over to Dalton, uh, the moderator. He has been able to join us. Uh, you are welcome, Dalton. As you found us, we were at the point where Ivan basically was giving us his take on the bill. And uh, just to summarize what he said, he told us that Hello? Uh, some... I, I yes. have given my take on, on the bill. Over to you, uh, the moderator. Yes, thank you so much, Ivan. Thank you so much, Ivan. Um, Dalton, we can hear you. I think uh, you can take on from now and proceed with the space. Yes, um, Harry, uh, can, can I be heard? Uh, someone please confirm to me that I can be heard. We can hear yes, you. Yes, Dalton, you can be heard.
Um, I think Dalton is still facing some network challenges. Uh, however, Dean has been able to join us. Um, before I get to you, Dean, I will go to uh, Miss Nabuguzi. Miss Nabuguzi, as both a lawyer and also a mental health advocate, Ivan opines that this bill basically serves no purpose yes, in society. Um, thank that you. Thank already you very much, Harry. And apologies to everyone. Okay, uh, I seem to have technical okay, issues. To yeah. uh, but once again, uh, if anyone can confirm that I am being hurt, it would be really relevant and helpful. Um, I don't. We can hear you. Be, I don't seem to be hearing anything from uh, from from your end. Uh, Dalton, we can hear you loud and clear. I think you can just continue. We we could hear you though you are breaking. Um, I think Dalton still has technical challenges and for the meantime, I will have to step in. Yes, so I was uh, basically on Ms. Nabuguzi. Uh, before, I would like to recognize the presence of the mover of the bill in the space, uh, Honorable Sarah Opendi. Uh, we hope that at a later time, she will have a chance to come in and also give her perspective. Uh, and also try to show us why this bill is relevant as opposed to uh, maybe how uh, the, uh, Ivan might opine. However, for now, I will go to Miss Nabuguzi, Sarah. Uh, Miss Nabuguzi, um, as a mental health advocate and uh, one of the reasons and the propositions under the bill is basically uh, to protect public health and also the help the health of these particular individuals. Um, what do you really think about the bill? And do you really think it has anything to cure in that area? Or already we have sufficient laws, as Ivan has opined, that already cover any other mischief, and therefore it is no longer necessary to further legislate, especially on the area of alcohol. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> I I had a quick scan of the bill. I didn't read it in depth. I think I just got a copy of it yesterday. I hadn't even heard of it. But there are only three questions that felt like they weren't answered or perhaps they hadn't been considered while drawing the bill. <laughs> When it comes to the part of excluding supermarkets on the hours of sale, it seems to suggest that the alcohol sold in supermarkets does not create a problem of alcohol dependency. And then when you go further to close 25, sub-close 2, they suggest, it is suggested that a local language should also be included in, you know, raising awareness of the dangers of alcohol. <laughs> and I thought about Gilby's or Johnny Walker's or whatever, whatever spirits are sold or imported from wherever. 
it we are still struggling with a national language and now i don't know what language that we have to consider in as far as local languages are concerned does it get to communicate which language will have to communicate to the whole uganda or should we now look at the different beverages brought to different regions to cater for specific tribes i don't know it's a it was exciting to see because i've had conversations i i i do own a podcast and i've had conversations with the uh, people that have struggled with alcohol dependent dependency or addiction and they have shared what it's like to struggle with alcohol so at some point some of them mentioned that uganda has an alcohol problem so seeing the bill was exciting but then reading it was underwhelming it was like like ivan mentioned that it is the, it is here and not here like it felt like a couple of things were just jumbled up and placed for i don't know what reason it perhaps it feels like it was fast and not given enough thought we have a mental health act that was i think i don't know was it in 2018 but i don't think it is given light and even when you talk about the rehabilitation of people that have struggles with alcohol dependency i don't think they have given much thought to what is really happening in the mental health space in uganda because if we are talking about inaccessibility or affordability who is going to be catering to the people that are being rehabilitated is this a service that is going to be rendered by the government or are people supposed to actually cater for that because if you really look at how much rehabilitation costs it's really high and you're not just looking at dependency from an lens of someone who has you know huge amounts of money there are people who are broke in my neighborhood in many cases when i'm going to work i see people seated at kiosks ready to drink <laughs> those people cannot afford rehabilitation so it's just there i can't find it's underwhelming to just sum it up uh yes uh thank you so much uh miss nabuguzi underwhelming is the word okay um before i get back to you um i see we have two new speakers who have joined us on the call and that is uh dean and joan um i will begin with dean uh just to uh dean you will briefly introduce yourself and you will respond uh to the concern that uh councilor nawuguzi has raised uh basically that when you talk about uh mental health and even when you talk about uh the provisions of the bill um for example that um, the bill has provisions that for instance say that 
between particular hours of the day uh, particular people are not allowed to sell alcohol but at the same time exceptions are made uh, for supermarkets for example how does that basically play in especially in terms of the economics of this country uh, whether you're going to talk about um, the alcohol industry and the different opportunities it creates either in terms of employment, in terms of advertising, uh, in terms of also um, um, revenue that accrues to the government. So how, what is the economic impact of this bill? Um, I would like you to basically try to shed light on that as we continue further. Thank you so much. Uh, can I be heard? Yes, you can be heard. Okay. Um, I want to confirm whether it can be someone. Let me know. <laughs> Maybe the, the whole thing. Uh, yes, Dean, you can be heard loud and clear. Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you so much. So my names are for purposes of those that maybe don't know me, my name's Adin, uh, Dina Tukunda, and uh, uh, I'm a lawyer, of course, still at uh, pursuing, that is pursuing my postgraduate diploma at the Law Development Center. And I'm happy to be here. It's a privilege, uh, the work that Alexa Mika is doing, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're inspiring a lot of people. Uh, it's, it's very hard. I, I, I mean, since the day I got to know about all these policies and then the law that came to sort of like control the consumption and even advertising the importation and exploitation of all these things was I felt like it's so much of a fallacy and I will answer your question in three ways. First, uh, the concern of whether it has an economic impact is very true and Worst case scenario, the economic impact could be largely negative. Why? Because looking as per last year, uh, alcohol, that is the industry itself. I mean, it's even shocking. It was contributing over 45% of, you know, the countries. It was contributing over 45% uh, to the country's economy. Now, 45%, that is crazy. When you get to think about it, that is literally... Uh, all the other sectors are only dealing with the other remainder, 45%. That means in Uganda, people actually consume alcohol. And the industries, uh, the sellers, both wholesale both, uh, both wholesale and retail, are benefiting from this business. And of course, uh, with the taxes and all that, I mean, all that is contributing to the So 45% as per last year. And then when you look at the statistics at the rate at which they are growing, this year, it's even more crazy. It is projected, but that by the end of this financial year, it could actually be uh, sort of like contributing 50%. It's crazy. It's crazy how alcohol is actually contributing, like the industry itself. That is the industries, the consumers, the producers, and everyone that comes in the middle there. But what does that uh, give us? Regular? Yes, it says that, you know, you can sell alcohol uh, before noon and uh, after 6 a.m., but then it puts an exception of things like the supermarkets and it's ambiguous about the area of um, 
uh, about the area of, I mean, if I go and buy the alcohol from the supermarket, can't I, you know, still consume it? And when you read uh, the bill, you could also happen to uh, realize that, you know, the drafters of the bill are sort of like canon, you know, culture people that are looking at protecting either their kids or the coming generation because of the various uh, health impacts. They could be mental, they could be, you know, disease or whatever health impacts that you know alcohol has gotten to cause but also the economic impact is that yes when you you know when you increase when you put all these particular procedures for all these companies to go on and you know maybe to license and get all these licenses whether they're importing or even exporting or whether they are doing whatever they're doing with the business when you increase the prices Yes, it's going to have a good economic impact because it is going to increase uh, the revenue of the country. Yes, because if it was contributing 45 before the bill, then after the bill, maybe. Best case scenario is that uh, with increment and introduction of all these processes to do with the licensing uh, of all these industrial bodies and corporate uh, bodies, corporate that deal with, uh, you know, the production and then the consumers and the tax increment on the product itself. Best case scenario, it's going to increase the revenue. And of course, you know, Uganda has a, a very bad record when it comes to collection of revenue because um, as per the last financial year, Uganda was expected to collect, is it 147 trillion? But then uh, it managed to only collect over 50 something trillion. That is by URA. So you can see that there is a very big gap between the expectation and what is collected, which means that all these regulations are also driven by the fact that they are trying to, you know, hang on to the various options they have to try and maximize and meet the expectations that they have to, you know, meet that is from the obligations of the taxpayers and whomever pays tax. But then the economic impact case scenario, increase in tax, um, increase in revenue, and then maybe better service delivery. Worst case scenario, people out of business and uh, affecting the economy largely because you can't uh, just not consider the fact that uh, alcohol and the entire industry that is looking at all those um, all those people, they contribute over, you know, 40, 40 to 45% uh, to Uganda's economy. And when you look at, I even went back when I was doing my, uh, sorry about that, I even went back when I was doing my when I was doing my research, uh, I happened to realize that uh, when you date back 10 years ago, uh, alcohol was contributing over 20% to the economy. So it has been growing. And if it has grown over 25% in a period of 10 years, which uh, 10 years or 13, which also include three years of COVID, then that means uh, it, it it's not something that uh, should be taken for granted. So maybe the bill coming into place, of course, there are procedures for licensing uh, procedures. It's not clear uh, when this alcohol and who can sell it, but it says supermarkets, wholesalers, you know, all those people, the producers. But then, I mean, you don't expect a producer to have their truck of nail breweries in Kampala at nine, and perhaps they are not going to, uh, they, are not, they don't expect to sell for midday, or they don't expect to sell by, you know, morning. So the point here is, best scenario we get more tax we get more revenue uh we get more service delivery worst case scenario that we go into tax company b they overcharge uh, the product people don't buy the products and if people don't buy the product that means contribution from this industry goes low those taxes and what we expect 
two birds with one stone, we are actually using ten stones to try and hit one, which uh, may not, uh, which may not actually hit. So I think it's something that uh, works uh, two ways, and uh, better I would look at it. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Dean, for that um, economic analysis, basically. But um, just uh, to investigate deeper, because even when um, you look at economic impact, yeah, there is an intrinsic line between, first of all, the economic impact, but also the compliance rate. And this is a question that I want to give to Joan. Joan, when you look at this bill, as Dean has said, that uh, basically it looks like it is founded in particular religious uh, or even moral uh, considerations. And yes, morality can be a ground uh, when our leaders are legislating. However, what I want to paint to you is that uh, do you really think uh, that this bill even has any mere muscle of enforcement, right? Because there are many laws that our parliament has legislated only for them to again get shelved and lack any tinge of enforcement, firstly. But also, uh, secondly, um, the mover of the bill uh, recently on the floor of parliament, Honorable Sarah Opendi said that uh, they are not against people drinking, yeah? Uh, Ivan, who just fell off, was advocating for the right of everyone to drink. They're not just against people drinking. They're not even against it. However, they're against the delinquency, yeah, that many people have shown, especially majority of the youths in Uganda, people who drink from morning to evening, people who drink during daytime. So in terms of enforcement, do you really think merely enacting a law is a sufficient mechanism to enforce, especially looking at history? For example, in the United States, uh, during the years of the prohibition uh, in the 1930s, where people still had to smuggle liquor, even when it was prohibited under the United States Constitution. So I would like us to address on the point of enforcement, but also secondly, on the point of why should someone care uh, if someone is drinking from morning to evening? Is there really any reason to that? Yeah, please share with us on that. Joan. Yes, we can hear you. Maybe you could just raise your voice a little bit. You're a bit distant. Oh, okay. Am I now loud? Yes, you're audible. Okay. Uh, sorry for coming late. Um, a bit troubling. So, uh, you told me asked the question of uh, enforcement and then also the minister talking about uh, not being against the rights of the people, but uh, trying to impact change in terms of perception into the citizens of the country. Uh, however, I'd like to first address the issue of uh, of uh, the enforcement. Uh, when it comes to the issue of the time limit, it is difficult, really, it is so difficult to police what happens in people's private settings. I can give you an example of uh, during the COVID time, whereby 
even during day people drink, even in the night people drink, and regardless of the time, even people buy alcohol and even drink from home. So I don't know how this thing is going to be really enforced on people in regards to how, like, the amount of um, the alcohol that someone should really consume because not everyone consumes from the supermarket, not everyone consumes from the kiosk or the bar, but even people consume from their places of residence. So that is really hard and it sounds more like a myth or it's, it's really not a reality or like I said, the enforcement will be so hard because uh, in Ugandan history we have we have bills which have been passed, we have uh, regulations that have been passed, but this has been so really hard. And it's the fact that this is police in someone's private setting, let's say someone's private life, because it is going to be really so hard and um, the government may not be able to police and ascertain to the extent uh, but you cannot be able to to police the buying of someone's like how someone can consume the liquor or how many bottles someone can buy. So in terms of enforcement, this is going to be really hard. As I gave the example of COVID, people even after closing the bars, restricting uh, the sale of the alcohol and the converging, still people used to drink. And from their places of residence, even from the supermarket and any other place, Enforcement is really hard, and also it's also a very dangerous thing because the aim is to control to a very dangerous uh, extent in the levels of autonomy, where it's when it comes to legal implementation. Therefore, it's a fundamental threat to the rights of of free will to the citizens of the country. So, uh, the other question it asks is uh, if they are against the rights of the people. So, uh, it cannot be against the rights of the people, or however it might be against the rights of the people, because someone, someone has their money and really they can afford to buy the liquor or the substance they intend to consume, they have the right to. However, there are these impacts that will come across, will come uh, in line with the consumption. So, uh, also, when I talk about the the, the enforcement, you can see that even the fine really is not matching with the offenses that are to be committed if someone just commits an offense and it's regarding to, to, to the recent act where someone can, someone, uh, the general punishment is a fine not exceeding 3,000 things and, and imprisonment for a time not exceeding six months, really, you see that that is really a joke. And as regardless, as far as we know, our country, that is really something very small for someone to commit an offense, and they're able to give that amount that is requested for. And even, not even give the amount, but also even the policy, even the police officers or the, the system used to impact these laws or to, to, to give out those punishments, also themselves, they are, they are the first victims of of disobeying the rule or disobeying the regulations that are put in place by the government, which are always put on, on the floor of parliament. So, these are not uh, deterrent enough to cover the illegal manufacturers or trade or sale and irresponsible excessive use of alcoholic drinks. So, that's, I, that's why I can talk about uh, enforcement and also the infringing of people's rights.
Uh, thank you so much for that analysis, Joan. Important aspect, and I would like to take this back to uh, Ms. Joanuka. Ms. Joanuka, in your first analysis, you told us about the aspect of rehabilitation, and I really want you to uh, touch on the mental health aspect of it. Of course, Ivan, and it seems like there is consensus in the whole panel that this bill is not really uh, necessary at this time, first of all, but also secondly, that its provisions are very problematic. And that's where I want to take you back a bit. Um, firstly, do you really think that the mechanisms that have been uh, drafted in the bill are the same mechanisms or are effective mechanisms that can help handle uh, the alcohol problem that we face in Uganda from the statistics that uh, Ugandans are the greatest drinkers on the continent and all this that we hear, firstly. But also, secondly, that uh, if they are not, then what would be the best mechanisms borrowing from international practice uh, if we agree that probably we have an alcohol pandemic? Um, what are the best mechanisms that can uh, have a, can, that can present a human rights based approach to dealing with the problem because we know the effects that it can have on families the effects that it can have on um, people in their youthful years and all that there have been studies to that effect i would like you to give us a perspective in that line thank you so much i think what I saw mostly in the bill was us trying to, I don't know, prune the tree without knowing the root causes or rather acknowledging the root cause of the problem. It, it is very important, it would have been important for us to acknowledge the fact that someone that has an alcohol problem has an existing problem already. It's not just them going to drink and then they get a problem. Of course, there are times, there are some moments where some people, there are some cases in which people find themselves tied by alcoholics. There are really many who end up drinking a lot because of the mental health challenges they might be having. You might find that someone is experiencing or struggling with anxiety and alcohol just helps them to calm down. You might find that there is someone who is struggling with depression and they're just reliant on alcohol. You might find that someone cannot sleep. I've made a post about alcohol. I think that was last year. I don't have, the, the, there's a way how 2023 was fast. I don't know when I made the post, but someone shared with me that when it is hard for her to sleep, she takes some alcohol. And I asked her how much she takes. And I think she said a sip. But then I had to bring her to the fact that there is a moment where she'll reach where a sip is no longer enough where she possibly has to take two sips. And before you know it, there are three, four, two sips. And before you know it, they're possibly taking creds because the dependent, the, the effect of alcohol keeps, you know, growing in a way. The, 
I don't know, is it called the resilience of the brain? The English fails me tonight. The resilience, there's a, you find that where someone used, where someone could get high on one bottle, it requires them to take more to get high. And I think you've experienced that kind of thing with the people that you, you have, you may have seen in your circles. So to talk about alcohol as the problem when Uganda is happening to us, it's it's not going to help. It's, it's just not going to work. I can buy my alcohol over the weekend in the prescribed periods of time and stock it in my house. People are keeping alcohol bottles in their bedrooms and they are consuming it and they cannot relate with the people they live with. They're having children who are looking for their support or parental love and they just cannot give that. And before we know it, the children are also finding themselves in a position where they're also depending, starting to depend on alcohol at an early age. I was very shocked, like I mentioned before, that I have a podcast on mental health specifically. I've had a conversation with someone who say that she started drinking at the age of 15, I think. She didn't want to, but she found herself in that position. From the experience of parent-child relationship to peer pressure, and before she knows it, she has wasted more than a decade of her life. So there are problems in our societies that we need to be addressing beyond alcohol because alcohol is the alcohol dependency. I don't want to say alcohol generally. Alcohol dependency is the problem that we should be talking about or abuse. What is causing these problems? Can we fix the problems that we have in society? If a parent or if a guy or woman is having troubles with taking or finding the the funds to take their children to school and they're they feel like they can only handle the stress with alcohol can we have ways of making schools more accessible can we find the real problems in society we're jumping to the leaves the color of the leaves before we get to find what the problem is at the roots when we get to the grassroots, this is when we are going to be able to do this. If we can have community interventions and have uh, community engagements, how about we get support from that? People do not have emotional support in places they stay, from homes to communities to workspaces to the nation itself. We're still facing the stigma of mental health and people are, are dying lonely People are, are are drowning in alcohol to cope with Uganda, you know, and the things that come with it. It's It would have been helpful if we really are truthful in acknowledging the problems that are affecting us. That's where that's where that that's where it should have started. Before jumping to what came out of the problems that we have. I don't know if I answered both the questions. I don't remember the other question that you asked. 
Uh, yeah, yes, definitely. The other question was basically about um, what are some of the strategies that you think would be better targeted, yeah, to deal with this issue? Because when you talk about the problem of Uganda being the cause of the dependency, the abuse, and the reliance on alcohol, uh, do you think that we need probably to fix our governance and also our systematic issues and maybe with better service delivery, um, with better community acceptance, with the better spirit of Ubuntu, we would be able to help our people? Do you think that's where the government should focus its energies rather than enacting legislation with penal sanctions? Thank you. I like the fact that you've brought out the part of Ubuntu. I don't think I would have it would have come off naturally from my end. But I think we if we are very reliant on the Ubuntu, it would help us see people for who they are, see people's needs and have conversations about them. Be supportive instead of shunning them. We cannot even speak of the lack of hospitals or the inaccessibility of the mental health services, you, you, you just literally cannot speak about anything that is, that is lacking in the nation. So if we are pushed to the corners and are asked to bottle up our feelings, people are ending, people are ending up relying on bottles. The Ubuntu would come if we can have these conversations with everyone, see each other for who we are as human beings, have community engagements, the part of Ubuntu would also go as far as not relying so much on profit to make a profit from yourselves. Because I was really shocked to learn that someone started drinking at an early age of seven. just because someone has to make a profit. This guy was making sales to a seven-year-old in a place where these kids' parents also had a shop, but the parents weren't aware of that. And this guy knew very well that the kids that were taking, uh, I think he said there were just maybe 200 that they were taking to the shop. There's just this guy to make a buck. So the, the spirit of Ubuntu is something that would definitely be helpful. Many of us are relying on uh, economic gains and uh, we are forgetting that we are damaging the people that are with us in society. So Ubuntu is something that would be great for us to rely on. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for that really touching perspective, um, Councillor Chiwanuka. And I'll direct um, this question to Dean so that we, we don't really lose the thread of the conversation. Um, Dean, Uganda has, um, has, has had many issues, as Councillor Chiwanuka said, that... Um, Many of, many of us within our societies are really resorting to alcohol or even to the dependence uh, because Uganda has happened and it has happened in a really bad way. Um, 
I really want you to help us to just link that point, uh, especially to most of our indigent people within the country. Uh, talk about the people in the rural areas, yeah? Men who feel like the hope of Uganda has failed, yeah? Because they lack access even to the basic services. And because of that, they've been forced to turn to the bottle. And because of the bottle, which has created more problems, they've propagated issues like domestic violence, um, wife beating, um, um, issues like neglect. Um, we've had children also be exposed to some of these things at an earlier um, age. And because of that, we have delinquency issues um, within our societies. But it seems like everyone turns a blind eye to this. Yes, I, I, and also our youths themselves, and this is where I want you to capitalize your response, um, that uh, many youths have actually turned to the bottle, some now call it being cool. Um, do you think it's, it's a cool thing? This is not exactly the consumption of alcohol, which is the problem, the excessive consumption is the problem and try to show us that because of this existing problem, um, still, I would like you to tell us from a policy level, yeah, uh, as opposed to the social level that Ms. Chiwanuka gives us, from a policy level, what are some of the policies you think our lawmakers should actually be enacting uh, in those places of power that they hold? Um, what are some of the policies that they should be enacting to deal with these underlying social issues than simply trying to put a band-aid uh, on a problem that is clearly out of control? Yes, Dean. Okay, can I, can I be heard? Uh, just want to yes, go you're loud okay. and clear. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, for that very wonderful question, and also the the wonderful submissions of uh, you know the, the the previous speakers. Now, let me let me tackle your questions backward. So I'll start with the last, and the last is about policy. Now, Uganda. Uh, if you read uh, the WHO ZIT report of twenty eighteen. Yeah, is it 2018? Around 2018, 2017, uh, those years before COVID. They happen to publish Uganda has uh, the best policies when it comes to uh, alcohol control. That is, when you look at uh, the Ministry of Health, that is the policy they had when it comes to uh, the alcohol control policy. It's there, man. And when I read through it, I was like, wow, how come people are still drinking alcohol like the way they do? And uh, this brings me to my next point as I answer your question, that uh, policies in Uganda actually are not the problem. Let's look at it this way. First, what is the, what is the thing we are talking about? It's the alcohol industry. Second, uh, what is... What is the issue that could come from the alcohol industry? That is the production and consumption. Third, what is the last, what is, you know, what is the third thing that could come from there? The various effects, whether positive or negative effects. Now, looking at it from that lens, you would clearly tell that how to regulate those. You could regulate the person producing 
but you cannot regulate how many bottles they are going to make in a day. Because in economics, there are only two simple things that actually apply, and that is the law of demand and supply, which I think all of us actually happen to know. And as long as the demand is very high, the supply is going to be inevitable because demand um, demand suggests that supply has to be there. So even though you're to regulate the uh, even though you have to say, I mean, when you read the bill, they say that now all the producers or the manufacturers or the bodies corporate dealing in this industry have to deal with things like licensing, have to deal with things like our limits of when they can sell, have to deal with things like, um, you know, they, they are trying to tackle. If you look at, you know, the bill, they are trying to deal with the challenge of how much alcohol is demanded or is, I mean, is demanded by the consumers. But then is that a practical thing or maybe something that can happen? I don't think it can. Because during COVID, when you thought that uh, people couldn't actually consume a lot of alcohol, shock you, or believe you me, in COVID, when you look at the statistics, over 70% of families in Uganda were taking alcohol. And alcohol was the biggest action. The alcohol industry was earning a lot of money at the time. It, and, and people weren't going to buzz, but people were getting getting this drink. So where is the bill targeted? The bill is targeted to try and, you know, bring up policies that are in form of law, now not just policy, because we have had policies before. I mean, you look at uh, regulations to do with, you know, the Boveras, uh, these, what are they called? The the Bovera kind of, you know, that alcohol, Chitoko, those things, the spirits and all that. You know, yes, they are trying to phase them out, but then, you know, the economy is growing. When you look at when you look at uh, you know the the balance of the generations that we are in, it's something that you can't separate. Look at our friends in Kenya. Actually, for our friends in Kenya, alcohol that is the percent. Uh, when you look at TZ, it's uh, TZ. I saw it was forty three percent. It's very easy how this industry actually. Why? Because it's very hard to tackle the needs of someone it's usually a personal initiative it's saying um, you're going to enact a law on um, spread of hiv or under the law we have uh, something under the marriage act which say which talks about i mean under the divorce act it says that restitution of conjugal rights for those that are not lawyers it means that uh, maybe court could give a judgment that if you've not been having sex with your wife you could have sex with your wife but how practical is that can court even i think there have been cases that have come to say that it's clearly impractical to actually say uh, to make an order or a judgment or whatever it could be even a legislation to tell people that hey, have sex. It can't happen. It's the same thing that comes with some of these things like drugs. When you look at America, it has a lot of drug, I mean, a lot of laws that are regulating things to do with drug trafficking, illicit trade, and everything that deals with these drugs. But then, we had to say that people are not going to take drugs. And that is what the government is trying. I mean, that is what the bill is trying to address. People have mental challenges. Yes, people have uh, challenges they are going through. The mental health is very important. I mean, it's more important than ever. It is crazy how you read, uh, how you read all these articles around saying that over, you know, sixty percent of Ugandans are mentally ill, but they perhaps don't know. So it's it's very crazy how you look at all these things. So going back to the policy, it's very simple. The policies are there. There have been all these policies to do with regulation of the type of alcohol produced. They even put a regulation, the percentage of, you know, the 
uh, the percentage of alcohol that can be in these uh, Yeah, is it 30%? But then, how many people have complied with that? Even factories. Why? Why it is hard to enforce is that in Uganda, we, we depend so much on, you know, the, the production. That is the, the, the producers. That is the industrial sort of like producers. And what do I mean depend? I mean most of the taxes and most of the revenue comes from those people. So it's very hard to try and frustrate their demand because they have to do supply to be able to pay those taxes. So one of the things that will be very hard with this bill is regulating first of all the hours. It's very hard. If you say that someone who is a retailer cannot sell alcohol between uh, between uh, between 6 a.m. to noon, how practical is it if someone is staying in Chikoni and has his kiosk there? Uh, are you going to have maybe a policeman on watch or something? I mean, they even we had a lockdown in you know, I think three three years back, we had the lockdown three years back, but people used to still work, people used to still walk. I mean, yes, these policies are there, but where does it go back to? It goes back to a personal initiative as a person. When it comes to some of these things, people choose to say that, ah, I'm done with alcohol. People choose to say that uh, I'm done with this or I'm done with this kind of thing or this kind of behavior. When and. As I also go to the last, that these policies can be there, but then let's not forget how drugs have contributed to economies all over the world. Yeah, so how drugs have contributed to economies all over the world. When you look at, you know, all these types of drugs, whether they are narcotics or all these drugs, whether they are the uh, the, the liquid drugs or, you know, the the narcotics, all these drugs, they have contributed a lot to the economies. So in one way or the other, uh, one could call it a blessing in this case, but yes, like the previous speaker said, it could be killing our generation, but then at the same time, it's very impractical to have a policy that is going, because this policy has been there. Yes, there was a reduction. I mean, when you take note of, I think between 2015 to around 2021, there was a reduction because since, I think since 2010, Uganda has been among those, if it is not in top three or top four, it is the first in alcohol consumers. But then uh, the percentages have been only increasing due to the policies that is, I mean, the, the most common policy is, you know, the ban on, you know, the, the Bovera alcohol which is which is actually there but then the other thing the generation we are in access access is something that is very important uh, because people have been exposed at the very early stage you can't uh you can't me when uh when i watched um when i watched Um, I don't know whether it's only me, but I'm having a challenge hearing Dean. The video, the, the... Uh, Mr. Chuanuka, can you hear him or it's only me? He's not clear. Some music videos I used to... When you read the bill, you see that merely based on someone's beliefs that maybe someone under 18 years shouldn't take alcohol. That is not the problem. The problem is not that.
Uh, Dean, we lost you a bit uh, in, uh, in, 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 your, in your aspect of analysis. However, I'll be getting back to you. Okay, let me just uh, take the perspective to Joan. Joan, the discussion comes to you. Uh, Dean talks about individual responsibility and even our constitution, yeah, uh, within the, the Bill of Rights, the constitution also provides for the duties of a citizen. Basically that us as Ugandans, we have particular duties. I would just like us, like you to uh, can I, paint perspective. Can I be heard? Uh, Dean, we lost you a bit there. I'm going to get back to you shortly. Uh, let me just engage Joan. Yes, so Joan, um, my question was that do you really think individuals owe a duty to this nation and also to the public uh, to reduce their alcohol consumption because of the different harms that might accrue to other people because of one person's alcohol consumption. In other words, what is the role of personal responsibility and individual choice in reducing alcohol-related harm in our communities? Because Dean paints the light that this bill is at best unenforceable and it only falls on individual compliance to either accede to the terms of the bill or to necessarily go against it. Because if you hide in your room and even if it's midday and take how many bottles or you go at the back of a particular shop and pass through the back door and buy crates, no one will basically get you. So kindly address us on the role of personal responsibility and individual choice in reducing alcohol-related harms in our communities, harms like domestic violence, which can come from alcohol abuse and other harms that occur in that aspect. Yes, Joan. Uh, thank you so much. Am I, am I clear? Yes, you're clear. Okay, uh, I would uh, I'd like to thank the current speakers that uh, gave us a highlight on the impact uh, on the impact of alcohol consumption, for example, relating to the question I asked me, this comes to us. This is a personal responsibility. Yes, the government has put on the registration. The government has released the bill or the validation of our parliament. However, this comes back to us in an individual basis. These acts, for example, the alcohol consumption, the substance consumption, not only happens in public, Places, but also happens inside our bedrooms, it happens inside our houses, it happens in, even in the private vehicles. So, what I would like to bring to us first is uh, the bill is out, but however, there are some things that we need to look at. Uh, we need to look at into the sale of the drinks. What are the prohibitions on the, on the sale of these drinks? Uh, what are the laws enforced on the sale of these drinks? As the becoming speaker spoke of, uh, as, a, a, as a, a country we have blessed, Uganda, we have blessed with different resources that you can probably use in order to collect the taxes. However, in the collection of taxes, we realize that 
these are people who are carrying on these businesses, not only in supermarkets, not only in the public places, but these businesses also are happening at Kiaziki. And we need to think about it that these businesses are not only beneficial to the government, but also realize that some of us who are from humble families, whereby our parents had kiosks, our parents used these kiosks to, to sell alcohol, and however much our fathers, for example, can give an example of the deep down in my village where a parent is a father and is a very good drunkard who goes, drinks the whole day, comes back in the evening, late night, and there they, there is a high risk of domestic violence where the father comes and specifically beats up the parent or the mother of the children. However, this is the mother who has the kiosk selling the alcohol in order to earn the little money that they can get in order to take these children to a PE school or a safe school down in the village. So as we analyze, as we criticize everything, we need to learn that this is not for a negative effect per se, but also there is we need to analyze the impact on on the businesses of the people. So as this mother sells the alcohol to attain the school fees for the children, this alcohol is at the exposure of the children. So as the child is looking at the father who goes the whole day without working, while the father goes out of the house in the morning, comes back in the evening when he's drunk with the mother, the child grows up when he's mentally perturbed or when he's not in the mental state that a child should be provided for within a comfortable environment of parenthood. So this comes back to us on an individual basis. How have the parents groomed their children? What role have the parents played to create um, the image in the mirror? We have to look at the exact image in the mirror because as you're restricting, as you're putting the age limit for a child to consume the alcohol, you need to think, how has this child grown up? In what environment has this child grown up from? I can give an example myself. Um, I'm from a family whereby alcohol is a child exposed however much I'm exposed to alcohol. I have not drunk alcohol from my childhood. So this comes back to our personal level. Regardless of our parents consuming this alcohol, regardless of the deep down village mother who is selling this alcohol to get the school fees for the little child to go to school and attain education, how are the parents exposing their kids to this alcohol? Because if I'm exposed to the alcohol, then that means that at any time, any day, I can consume this alcohol. As the precarious speaker was speaking, that someone can start drinking at the age of 10, someone can start drinking at the age of 7, someone can start drinking as far as at the age of 5. We've seen kids who are 5 years, but then they are already taking wine, they are already trying out any substances that they find because these substances are just disposed into their faces or they're disposed to them in their families. So, on the family basis, I think. When the government needs to do the baby steps, the process of the issue of um, issuing the bill to an approved parliament, however much yes, it has been released, but has the government done the baby steps? Has the government tried to make sure that this is implemented? Which is really a myth, it is not a reality. 
So if there's a discrepancy on the country, there's a discrepancy of every individual, we all participate in the overcoming of the situation or in the overcoming of the problem. As the current speaker talked about uh, mental health, we find out that uh, I've interacted with many people who are by someone tells me that I can't go back home because I need to first go to the bar because I'm at a conflict with my wife, I'm at a conflict with my husband. So I can't go back home, I have to go to the bar and drink as far as 2 a.m. So that by the time I reach home, perhaps someone would have already slept. So you can find out that these are not issues that are on a personal basis, but people are being influenced by other issues to carry on alcohol consumption. So we need to drop the whole the whole philosophy of you can fight for a neighbor, I can fight for one another. Before we tell people to stop drinking the alcohol, have we done the baby steps to find out what is the cause of it? What where is someone drinking to this extent? Why are children at the age of 14 or below 10 are drinking alcohol? So I think we need to go back deep down and find out what the issue is. And regardless, we can't stop at some extent because we find out that why children are exposed to this alcohol because some deep down village mother having a kid selling this alcohol in order to earn the school fees for the child. So it's a bit tricky. However, I believe that when an individual basis on an individual participation, we can all work together to help one another and perhaps the alcohol consumption might re reduce at a certain level. That's actually a management issue or the problems being faced by the people who are being so Yes, thank you so much, Joanne. All right. Thank you so much for uh, that perspective. So um, right now, um, we are almost coming to the end. I will now open up uh, the discussion to the audience. In case you have any questions, um, you can just request for the mic to speak and then I will allow you and then you will ask uh, your question or make your input and contribution. However, uh, as the audience does that, um, I will just paint a particular uh, question uh, Question to Councillor Chiwanuka. Uh, Councillor Chiwanuka, part eight of the bill uh, basically provides and makes it a core obligation of the government uh, to put in place measures and also structures um, to, uh, for people to access rehabilitation, for people to access treatment, and for people to basically access help and mental health services, especially in regards to um, extreme alcohol consumption or addiction. Don't you think that this is a progressive, um, especially in the arena of uh, therapeutic treatment that that can be afforded, accorded to people who have this problem? Don't you think that this is at least a progressive aspect of the bill uh, that can actually be hailed as such? Or do you think that um, it is simply a mere fuss because still there are structural underlying issues that will make it impossible as, for example, our government has committed to realize certain things in the past, but still those have been empty promises. Kindly shed your opinion on that aspect as the audience begins to engage.
I'm sorry, I would like you to help me rephrase your question. I had lost you at some point, so perhaps you can summarize it and I ah, see where I okay. can from. Okay, so I was saying that part eight of the bill uh, puts an immediate obligation on government uh, to provide rehabilitation, to provide health services, to provide mental health service access uh, to people who might be facing a challenge with alcohol consumption and addiction. Don't you think that this is a progressive aspect of the bill that should be hailed as such? Or do you think it is still a mere fuss as we have had various empty promises are put on government because it's one thing to impose an obligation, but it's another to implement it in that line. Thank you so much. I it it's it's like I said in the beginning. I was excited, and then when I read further, and the questions keep coming, you start really questioning the direction of the bill. So. At the point where they talk about the rehabilitation and, ex and the extension of these services to those who are struggling with addiction, I feel like we are overreaching. If we are in a society that still struggles to access Mia Panado <laughs> in health centers, and yet we are also we also belong to a society that has not given mental health full attention we're still far from that we are really still far from that of course we have other we have we have we have services that can be accessed at uh, a free charge butabika has uh, the public section where someone can go and have care. I think also the Bosa Clinic at Mulago Hospital has something like that. I'll have to check. But of course, this is me really getting out the information so that someone at least has an idea of what's happening in the nation. They can still go and check in for these services and find help. But where the real, 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 real help is in the private sector, it's really expensive. And for the government, for us to expect the government to rehabilitate the people who are struggling, yet we cannot even afford Panado itself. Nah, <laughs> it's, it's just not going to happen. At least not now. Not next year. I don't know when it's going to happen. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that uh, perspective, um, basically. Okay. Um, let me just read a few comments here. Um, I have one from God Agri and uh, Agres says that I think soft power is more important in this kind of situation because when you put up a law, it becomes very impractical. And how do we effect this? Uh, he says mass sensitization about the effects of taking too much alcohol, ETC is the most effective method, according to him. Okay, um, I'll go to Dean uh basically so dean 
Uh, from from your submission, it appears that if you were a member of parliament, you would vote against this law on behalf of your constituents. I would like you to uh, now go to the next phase of what what are the solutions? Yeah, because yes, we've been suggesting uh, a few solutions here and there to show that this law is impractical, unenforceable, it infringes on rights and all these particular things. However, away from the legal, legal legalese, um, what do you think are the solutions to this mammoth of a problem that we see we are actually facing in society? We can't simply shy away from it. Uh, kindly give us perspective on that particular aspect. What What is the way forward in this light, according to you? Okay. Uh, thank you so much. Once again, can I be heard? Just wanted to confirm whether I can be heard. Dean, yes, Dean, you can be heard. Sorry about uh, okay. that. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, thank you. So I, I would like to start this way uh, in answering your question. How I want to start, I want to start by laughing. <laughs> uh, I think what uh, the previous speaker was saying, really, um, in law, maybe if it was a judge, uh, they could have said, I have nothing useful to add. But uh, responding to your question particularly is that we don't have the resources i mean when i reached part eight i was like it can't be i mean how many how many things is government okay how many things are pending when it comes to government implementing or being uh the overseer or the custodian of their implementation there are already so many so the practical solution here would be if the problem is tackling alcoholism and maybe the surging number of mental health and uh, and health problems that um, that are coming because of uh, overconsumption of alcohol. I think it is empowering uh, civil society. But then the other thing I would like, uh, what you read from your comment, civic education. I, I think civic education was the answer in the 19th uh, century. But are people right now really willing for... Uh, uh, are people willing to uh, really give some time to civic education? I really don't think. I think what you have to do is do a documentary on alcohol, put it on Netflix, and maybe people will watch it, and that is if they do, uh, or on Prime Video, on YouTube, or whatever. But uh, maybe, taking an example, if you got a session from Ministry of Health and maybe put it at the center of Tiffany or somewhere where, presumably or arguably, uh, most of the students, you could argue that stay, most of the students around maybe one day. Uh, is there a guarantee that even 50% of those students are going to attend? No. Civic education was uh, something that used to happen previously. But right now, has it achieved the purpose? I don't think. The case scenario, of course, is you put it there, people come and they adhere to whatever you say. Right now, it's uh, it's it's people being uh, ingrained in this whole thing of YOLO, you only live once, you live your life, those things. And it's very hard to communicate to a brain that believes that, that, oh my God, the crate of beer that you're taking in just a space of six hours is not healthy. Uh, it's going to uh, desiccate your, your, your liver or 
even give you some uh, health complications. But then at the end, at the other end, why do people take alcohol? Uh, are we still relying on uh, the primary uh, reason? Those uh, kindergarten reasons people take alcohol. But when they take, do they forget their problems? No, they actually create more problems. So I would like to claim so much to uh, a decentralization of a decentralization kind of of trying to tackle that easiest way to decentralize is to deal with uh, this problem as a part maybe county level or even you know child or village level by way of you know the government it has to be something that says either by local government or you know those leaders that that leadership of you know local council or parish or whatever level second how is how is it practical to have law that you're not going to implement? In East Africa, Uganda has one of the be Uganda has the best laws, I could argue, arguably. I mean, it's something that is out there. Everyone admires our laws whenever they read them. Everyone looks at our laws and, you know, uses them as a template. And uh, our legal system, yes, uh, people in Uganda usually are, usually admire the, you know, the legal system of, of Kenya a lot, but... Believe you me, I, I have a lot of Kenyan colleagues that really admire our legal system. And sometimes I'm in my classes and I'm like, wow, what do they even admire about this system? And I think also sometimes when they're the other side and we are telling But I think uh, this goes back to how we deal with uh, our legal uh, implementing any legal policy is not something that is easy. First of all, one thing we can't shy away from is that it's very expensive. So how can we do it? I think decentralizing, as I've already said, and then also doing an empowering uh, places like health centers uh, to deal with people that have these health issues. And then maybe trying to... I had uh, cancer is... Uh, I, I, I had is... Oh, I didn't get it well, but I had cancer as a podcaster. So maybe, you know, investing uh, time in, you know, speaking to colleagues that have suffered from some of these things before, because I think the problem uh, the bill is trying to address, even though they don't state it is addiction, because a lot of people are addicted to this, uh, to this, to this thing called, may I, I have a colleague, if he doesn't take a bottle of Guinness in the morning, he can't be able to submit even a case with any, 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 any marrow confidence. So... I mean, he's, he's a colleague, I know him, and I speak to him, I'm like, you man, you can't even speak when you've not taken a bottle. So it's it's that crazy. So I think uh, the, the bill is trying to address something that can't be addressed by any law, it can't be addressed by anything close to a legislation. And it's not that I would vote against it, I don't have a problem with the law, but then the problem is that this is another policy that is not addressing the root cause of the problem. I mean, as the earlier speakers have already said, you can't you can't say that you're going to you're going to address a problem which is uh, you you're going to address a problem which you're not addressing. I mean, it can't happen, and that is what the bill is doing. The bill is basically re-echoing what uh, what people have already said about alcohol. I mean, when I was growing up at home, they're like, don't drink alcohol in the morning, but in the evening you can. So. Someone can take it in the afternoon. Someone can choose to say, okay, I'm not going to take at midday, but I'll take it in the afternoon. Does that take away the problem of the diseases or the health impact? Or, you know, does it take away the, 
the illicit trade that is done uh, by you know these companies that deal in you know the bodies corporate that deal in this uh, in this industry. No, it doesn't. Does it take away? So you find that the objectives are not being achieved. The best way is to decentralize this to some of these now, like Butabika. The other time it was complaining that I mean it's it's uh, denying entry to patients, not like denying, denying, but stopping them from coming in because they don't have space. So maybe, uh, you know, trying to have a few more wings across the country, it could uh, have people believe that actually they are victims that suffer from this. And also people struggle because they don't see victims of this. I mean, if you have not seen someone struggling or coughing blood, I mean, I've seen someone coughing blood because of alcohol. So I even, when I look at it, I'm scared. You get, so one of the, strongest things we can do is to 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 be what uh obama and most of the presidents of america used to say you know be your brothers and sisters keeper which is really something that can't be regulated by law it's so much of a fallacy to say that law is going to regulate how much alcohol you take and when you take it that is not practical and lastly i think it's also a part of uh, mm. I think it's also a part of, um, <laughs> I know this is really, it could be far-fetched for people, but I think divine intervention, because in Uganda, people really take alcohol. Uh, people really take alcohol. And then, think, you know, small things like finding new hobbies. And if you have people like, uh, like Cancer said, you know, podcasters, they could host some of these people and, you know, share. Me, I would be willing to listen to your podcast and even share with people or even if you're doing a YouTube and speak to people because there is, there is nothing like uh, that is going to create any change than us actually, you know, taking the initiative because that alcohol bill can be there. I mean, we have had laws that regulate alcohol. We have had policies and some of the people in this space actually don't have these policies. But, I mean, some of them, yes, take alcohol. Some of them have seen people taking alcohol. You know the policies? No. That means the policies are actually not addressing the problem. What is the problem? It could be mental health. It could be the addictions. It could be uh, the economy in itself. It could be someone <laughs> Someone said earlier that Uganda being Uganda, I don't know, I don't know what that is supposed to mean. But, yeah, whatever it means, I think it means that I mean, Uganda is very, very complicated. I mean, a few minutes... Uh, before this space, I saw Kansas Silverkind saying that in Uganda, almost every odd is against you. I mean, it's very hard to earn a living. You have to put in those extra hours. So sometimes you have those problems, that stress, so it ends up on a bottle. But what am I trying to say? Decentralization of this whole thing. It can't be, it can't be a law that is going to regulate how much alcohol is, co is consumed. Maybe the licensing part, I really liked that part. Uh, I was actually shocked to know that uh, there are bodies out there that are bringing in uh, these huge amounts of revenue and they're actually not licensed to carry out the businesses they are carrying out. I think that was a very good uh, start for me to read the licensing part, but the part of who is going to consume at what time, very impractical. I don't know if I've answered your question, but yeah, I think those are my three uh, my three strategies I would look at. Decentralization, um, Anything to do with uh, uh, empowering uh, these bodies, you know, like the Butabika, the Mengo Hospital, all these hospitals that have these wings that deal with rehabilitation and not saying that it's the government, because the moment we say that it's the government, mm -hmm. then we are going to 
place a lot of obligation on them and that is going to enhance problems that we already have things like corruption and you know a lot a lot of things if i'm if i'm to speak about this it could be a chain of a lot of things but yeah uh i saw submit thank you over to you uh thank you so much dean uh for that perspective although uh, as i can see in the comments dalton uh seems to disagree um where he says that still he thinks that uh the government should also be responsible to do something okay um i'll go to john and then to uh Kansu Chiwanuka, one after the other um and uh, my question is um what are some of the solutions that you think can help us and you can also give your concluding remarks on this particular topic yeah and we'll call it an evening firstly with joan and then uh kanso chiwanuka hello uh, i didn't listen to your question right uh joan my question was uh from what dean has said um on top of that what are some of your suggestions in terms of um the solutions that can actually be put forward to solve this alcohol problem that we are facing with the statistics saying we rank number one and we have taken the medal and the trophy in that regard Yes, what are some of your solutions? And then after you, we'll talk to uh, Councillor Chiwanuka. You can also add your concluding remarks and your parting statements. Okay, thank you. Uh, as I earlier stated, the fact that uh, the government has put the, the bill on the floor parliament or the person responsible has done so. But then, this is not, this can't be addressed as a public issue or public that everyone should do this. No, this comes as in an individual basis. How have we tried to make sure that this issue is reduced? Or how have we tried on an individual basis to make sure that alcohol consumption is reduced? I give an example of, um, of families whereby this is one of the most frequent issues when it comes to alcohol consumption. How are people groomed right from the start? How are children, because in this era, in this generational era, we are seeing that as children, we have been exposed to many things concerning, many things, not only on social media, but also many things when it comes to these substances or these drugs. So, even the parents have not carried on their responsibilities as parents, they have failed to guide the children on what is bad or what is good. So we've left the generation, we've left the children free to do whatever they see by experience with a dot-com era. And this has made us, the children, not... Actually, alcohol consumption is not only for the elders now, but rather people are even starting for sure at the age of 10, at the age of 14. Yes, even the bill for the act that was released was saying at the age of 18. So you can see that it's no longer at the age of 18, but it's now at even below the age of 14. Yet, as, as a child who is 14 years, we believe that this, this person has not attained that thinking of knowing that this is bad, this is good, because we've seen our parents do this, we've seen our fathers get drunk and come back late night. And this has caused, this has been actually a, a 
cause of domestic violence, alcohol has contributed a lot in, in regards to domestic violence. So I think that is not to be a government issue, that is to be a personal based issue. Let us be our brothers keepers as a previous said. Let us be problem solvers on an individual basis. If someone really is a, a, a drug addict or if someone is a consumer and it's really beyond, be the first person to talk that person, not wait for the government because you really think that it's not a reality. This bill cannot work with the implementation. The implementation is impossible or it's unrealistic. It's more of a myth on the floor of parliament. It's more of a myth in the country that we are living in. And I think we need to work on it at an individual basis. And also, if we have to look at, uh, as I conclude, if we look at uh, the rate of taxation as a country, as I said, as a country, we are blessed with resources. We are blessed with resources in that we have to utilize them. So it's a risky part of the country. When a country needs to raise these, these uh, taxes, for example, if you find a bottle of beer is being taxed at 500 shillings, really, this is a lot of money if the output is really much. So we need to see as a country that yes, we cannot prevent the output, but however this is unique and the country we need to tax. However, I think controlling consumption will be so hard. The only solution as the government can do is maybe to control the output, which is really so hard as 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 Uganda we know that Uganda benefits from the output of these manufacturers by what? By taxation. So really it is it is so hard. It is really hard. I think it comes. It needs to come back to us on an individual basis. Then, um, to our listeners and today, we thank you for the opportunity, and uh, would encourage each one of us to check on our brothers. We all have friends or have uh, relatives or have family members who are drug addicts or good alcohol consumers. However, we need to go back and do the baby steps. We need to find out the solutions to these people, find out what the problem is. How much the previous speakers talked about rehabilitation centers. Trust me, those public rehabilitation centers are not seen as well as the other rehabilitation centers. And to get a good rehabilitation center, it is also costly. For God's sake, in this country, how many people can afford to pay three million per month to take someone to rehabilitation center? If someone is buying alcohol of one thousand for this Avera, that means that it will be so hard for someone to pay three million to habitate this person in those rehabilitation centers. So you can see that there are many difficulties, there are many things to solve rather than putting the family on the floor. Parliament, we need to go back and do the baby steps. The ministers, the MPs in their respective constituencies, these baby steps must be done from the grassroots, not only looking at the centralized areas. We need to go back and find out the reason why this reach this all this problem is rising and first solve the problem from the grassroots level. Yeah, I, I thank you all for listening and uh, I, I wish you a blessed night. Uh, thank you so much, Joan. Um, Council Joanuka, please. Am I just giving parting shots? Yes, yes. 
All right. Like Dean had mentioned earlier that uh, if we can have more podcasts or YouTube channels discussing or normalizing conversations on mental health, I have shared links in the comment section of this space. I don't know we I don't know if any of you listens to podcasts, but if your platform hasn't been listed, you can just search for hash time with Nabguzichwanka. We are also available on Twitter. Very inactive on this platform. X. It's now X. But the most important thing and the core goal of the podcast is for us to have more of these conversations so that someone does not feel like their challenge or emotional struggle is remote or an isolated case. If we can have more of these conversations, if someone struggles with alcohol abuse or dependency and they're here as who might have recovered or who is on a journey of recovery, they have a chance of helping themselves. Seek help. That you can go to. There are psychiatrists in Uganda. We have psychologists. We had had one psychologist who popped up here for just a bit and she left. But we really have these resources available. The stigma has to reduce you know, as far as mental health is concerned. If we are still in the generation or mindset that mental health is a sham or it's a white people thing, we are really denying people the right of accessing their health services in the mental health sector. So normalize these conversations, educate yourself, improve your mental health literacy. We cannot still be going back to the generation that put the umbilical cord with some fat on water to check the DNA of the child. We have now advanced. The knowledge is available. You have to keep yourself educated and have more of, you know, resound arguments, not not just something that your grandmother may have believed. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not discarding grandmother's knowledge. Knowledge, of course, they are knowledgeable. But we need to also go with what is right. Whatever information is helpful, let us be drawn to. Thank you so much for inviting me to this place. To this space, rather. Do have a good night. Okay. Um. Thank you so much, um, Council Joanuka. Thank you so much, uh, Dean, and thank you so much, Joan, uh, for such an amazing discussion. Also, our, our panelist who fell off, uh, Ivan, we thank him so much for the contribution he made at the beginning. Um, this has been a really interesting and also very informative space. And for that, I thank you so much. And I feel um, we've really done justice to paint... Um, the societal problem we face and why this legislation might not really be the most effective remedy, but yet there are other more effective, concrete and targeted solutions uh, that won't simply put a band aid, but will actually be able to 
solve the problem to the root. Um, and for that, I thank you. We thank our good audience uh, for staying with us up to now. Yeah, it's been close to two hours. Uh, we also thank um, the Rule of Law Club of Makere University, uh, which partnered with uh, us at Lex Amica to make this space a success. Thank you so much. And lastly, um, I would like to thank uh, Dalton Chesule, our would-be moderator. He faced some challenges, but he has been able to be with us up to the end of this particular conversation. We thank you so much and have a good night. Thank you. This audio is made with Audio Toolkit for Windows Store, downloaded for free now.